Why struggle through a post-merger integration when you can glide through it? Why deal with the PMI integration challenges when you can overcome them even before they occur? Why move slow when you can move at pace? What are the world's leading PMI experts doing right now to achieve profit accelerating integrations? This podcast will give you all the answers to these questions and many more. My name is Dudley Peacock and welcome to the 100 Days and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to uh, to our podcast today. We've got a combination podcast. It's the weirdest thing today because besides the, the normal uh, 100 Days and Beyond podcast where we deal with sort of merger and acquisitions, post-merger integration and so or post-acquisition integration work, we also have... Uh, some marketing, but also uh, about people. It's a, it's a podcast that sort of is a combination of a whole lot of things. And I've got a really interesting bloke today, uh, Richard Bailey. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Uh, thanks, Dundee. Uh, Great to be here. I want, I want to just go through a, a quick introduction in, in terms of some of the, the takeaways that I got from my initial conversation mm-hmm. uh, and sort of run through expanding a little bit on that because your background, really, if I look at your educational background, I mean, you studied history and you studied something else. I mean, you're going to get tell us a bit about your life journey and how you mm-hmm. ended up doing what you're doing today compared to where you thought um, young Richard was going to be, you know, in the early days. So very interesting journey you've taken. And But what, yeah. what's really fascinating, and I think that the audience should be well aware, is that you're you're a guy that's very well versed and uh, and diverse in your thinking across multiple sectors and parts of a business but you have a you have a very strong i would say connection to the people side of business so yeah uh, when i look at your your uh, your profile you talk about strategic growth transformation and and this human cloud and, and this uh, th- this was a really fascinating part of our conversation leading up into this into this podcast mm-hmm. um is about the, the the way that work is changing and and especially because you've also when i look at some of the other things you mentioned you talk about um 15 plus years in, uh, of experience in leading and driving change at strategic and operational levels, global, regional programs, etc., across multiple mm-hmm. industries. Mm-hmm. You also have been in an M&A environments, mergers and acquisitions. You've, you've, you've been part of large-scale transformation programs. So you understand change. You understand that whole nature of, of the beast, if you like, because there's so many moving parts in that space. But you also talk about delivery within a structured and bespoke methodologies. Now, when I look at your top skills, you talk about PMO. So mm-hmm. that's project management office. That's a that's mm-hmm. very, very structured, completely different to what you studied. I mean, you, st- you started studying history, and I suppose mm-hmm. history is also a sequence of events. I suppose a project is a sequence of planned events. And mm-hmm. I suppose if you go back at the end of a project and you and you look at the, you know, the learnings and the and the history of a project, you can probably extrapolate a whole lot of things out of that. Mm-hmm. When I look at your, your, your profile, you talk about being an active pro- promoter, advisor, consultant, and POC. Uh, that's a, is that proof of concept? Kickstarter yes, yes. to, to, uh, to tech startups, multiple fields, especially in open talent, the human cloud, again, it comes up and talent innovation, including fractional talent. And, and that's those are some of the things I'd like to touch on. I know you have a few ex- extra sort of um, really good pointers that, that I'm, it'll be massive value to the audience today. And, uh, and again, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, tell us, uh, just, just give us a little bit of your background. I've tried to sort of lead and connect to w- what we're trying to achieve here, but, but tell us a bit about sort of your, your, you know, where you come from and, and where, when and what you're doing today. Sure, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Dudley. appreciate the introduction. So, yeah, as, as you alluded to, when my, my um, and let me move my, my there's a picture, you see that picture there? My wife, my, my mom has painted it and um, I'm still getting used to it. So I'm moving because it's disconcerting looking at it. Obviously, my, my mom loves me. But it's disconcerting looking at a picture of yourself in the in these sunglasses. There you go. But it's a, it's a good painting. I'm I'm told. I won't comment. Um, so, yeah. So as you alluded to, I um I my for my undergrad I studied history and then I moved on to international development. 
for postgrad. Um, history was really because I'm, I'm fascinated with, with movements in history and, and reactions in different, different parts of the world and different geographies um, to, to big events, you know, and, and how they come about. Um, international, development was, was, international development was more because I was fascinated with developing economies. Yeah, and so that particular degree was was around how economies develop, developing economies, how they develop, what do we even mean by developed or underdeveloped? Um, and I focused on a few different topics. And I'd always thought that I was um, either going to work in the ministry for for a church, or I was going to work in in, in an NGO or work in policy. Yeah, in a, in a government in a government setting. And then whilst I was doing my postgrad. I chose to do it part-time I also always wanted to work and I had also had I didn't tell you this I had a, a side advertising business that I started as a as a in, in my postgrad and so I worked as a, a contractor as, as we would call it in um, in what's now Shell in the IT department okay mm-hmm. and so started and since then actually nearly every one of my roles have been as a freelancer a contractor an interim a consultant I know we use these words interchangeably, um, nearly all of my career. And I remember a conversation that I was listening to. So bear in mind, I was, you know, in my mid-20s or so. And there was a bunch of guys around a table, and they were all probably in about their 50s at the time. And they were having this intense debate about IT and how, you know, we are running the company. And without us, it's going to... And I remember sitting there thinking, hang on a minute. If I stay in this for... 20, 30 years, potentially my view on what drives the company is going to become incredibly myopic. And so I decided I'm getting out of IT. I, I still had worked in, and I have worked in IT in different tech, but I purposefully chose to work in different industries across different functions. So whether that's in finance and HR, et cetera, and supply chain and on the manufacturing side operations, because I wanted to gain a, an end-to-end view of a business and actually have worked in different industries and in different parts of the, those businesses so that in at the time I thought look in 20 30 years time I don't want to be sitting around a table thinking of the world in a myopic way I want to be able to go into any company and add value at a strategic and operational level and then be able to look at it end-to-end and as, as we talked before there's absolutely a place for for having a specialism in a certain vertical, but there's also, uh, in, you know, a, a value to being able to look across an enterprise and and then and see how each part knits together. And so it's not it's not surprising that I found myself in the PMO type world, which is all about into putting pulling things together to govern a bunch of projects or or, or initiatives. Yeah, and then I branched out from that um, into the talent world. So, and that's been in the last four or five years um, and, and pre-pandemic as I became more fascinated with the future of work, yeah? And at the time it was, for me, it was the question driving me was, what is the future, what is the future of work in 2030, okay? What is that going to look like? I happen to be have been working with a, a scale-up company which was um, uh, through a, a large corporate, it was their corporate innovation arm that they'd acquired a piece of and that was specifically in the talent space, building private talent pools for companies. Yeah, and they were acquired by another company, and so I became more and more fascinated with this area, and also from a consulting perspective. So, um, hence, that's where I am now, as as a as a you know a slight addition to your introduction. Um, and and I love what you're talking about as well yourself, a fractional um, CMO, because I see this more and more post um, pandemic and it was already starting but the fractionalization of work and how tech that and platforms enable us to be able to actually fractionalize work and that can be of even more value than not doing that um, and, and and this is where I think um, that the the discussion around talent needs to go you yeah? Yeah, I'm also finding, and it, it may I may shock uh, some members of the audience. So I might get some some troll comments, but I think the the skill and art of management has also changed, and and mm-hmm. and has not changed for the for the better. You, you know, you have, I mean, I think the traditional 
uh, founder CEO. If you take 50 or 100 years ago, the businesses were generally quite quite simple in, in, in a lot of ways. Yes, there were lots of complexities, but today everything is moving at such a rapid rate that you've got to onboard new, new talent very, mm. very quickly. They've got to perform and, 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 and be able to deliver results very, very quickly. They've got to um, start, you know, hit the ground running and, you know, management as a, as a, as a discipline or a skill is struggling, I think, to keep up with with that fast pace of change. I mean, if mm -hmm. I, I've been I've been looking at sort of the SaaS environment, if you like, you know, those new startup SaaS companies. You know, yeah. everything has lots of bling and shiny things on the outside, but on the inside, the, the standard business principles apply. Mm -hmm. But everything is done at a fast pace. They must onboard people quickly. They must find people quickly. They must place people quickly. They must understand what the strategy is, who the ideal customer profile is, mm -hmm. um, what is their sort of manifesto. I mean, what is their what what do they stand for? I mean, what is the product supposed to do? What's the outcome, the product or service or whatever? What's the product market fit? And am I do I have the right pricing? Do I have the right delivery mechanism and onboarding of customers and then how do I stop churn and mm -hmm. things like that? that's only in the SaaS environment mm -hmm. I mean if you look at across multiple industries I think management is under massive pressure I think that's if you look at the PMO as that space and I'm just going to throw it out there as a curveball mm -hmm. I think it's almost like sometimes like herding cats in a way because you've got to try and keep everyone doing their day jobs in a standard organization, plus deliver on certain projects that are managed or by non-line managers. So you mm -hmm. have line management, and then you have non-line management, yeah. and you have different deliverables, different KPIs, and new KPIs, and especially if you look at M&A, yeah. post-merger integration work, there you get another layer of work that gets added onto your normal day job over yeah. and above all the internal projects that are... <laughs> That you have to deliver inside a company. So, mm -hmm. so I mean that that's where I see the major challenges across the the the, the workspace and mm -hmm. how that's accelerated over the last few years, especially. What's your comments on that sort of that view that that, that I have? So, yeah, you know, I I mean, firstly, just to come back on the PMO point, the, the history of that. As a as a governance structure, a management structure, um, it comes from the military, yeah, uh, and in the forties, fifties, sixties, and and it's it moved into the corporate world, and like you say, even in the M and A space, there is a place for a for a PMO, and it's, it'll be called something different, but it'll have a similar functionality, yeah, being able to oversee the process of um, yeah, from, the, from, the IMO, the integration management yeah, office. So it's, exactly. a, it's just a different name, but it's a PMO yeah. essentially. And and I've heard different acronyms in the IMO space, you know, adding bits on, adding others, other acronyms to kind of make it more, more end to end. But um, I think for me, part of this goes back to, as you say, there are certain business principles that are actually when they're done well, it it's it's done. If you do it in if you did it in 1950, 1960, in 2030, 2050, they're all still applicable. Um, partly because it's to do with people, and and people don't change really that much. And um, but um, so so I think what I, what I've seen in 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 that space is not having extra layers of specifically in that space of governance for the sake of it yeah so so this is why now when i when i get involved in pmo work i don't typically do i'm going to administrate because I, I i've also worked on the other side where i'm reporting to a pmo you know in that setting and mm -hmm. to be honest sometimes it's a complete waste of time people are just annoyed at you why are you coming to ask me this you know whether I'm green, red, or whatever, I've done my deliverables, etc. It's just you, you're distracting me from doing whatever I'm doing, yeah. And so for me, part of the skill of this is being able to figure out in my business as usual, how do I integrate that change, yeah, in the management structure? Because typically, what happens is there's there's the you know what I call keep the lights on um, um, organization, and then there's a layer on top as we're starting to change things. And so for me, the, the, the challenge from a leadership perspective is integrating those two as fast as possible so that 
lights on becomes the change yeah and it's it's not easy um by any stretch but that's why um fractional talent is so important because what you can say is look what is our goal what are we trying to achieve what particular financial objectives product objectives whatever that is and also have an understanding that we probably don't have everything we need in the given organization in terms of people so how are we going to to your point as fast as possible use what i call the human cloud um to and leverage that experience that is out there right now um to help us accelerate and integrate those two you know so i think that for me that's where i would how i would comment back on what you, what you've mentioned there but it is it it's it's not an easy thing um and you know hence hence people are constantly having issues with this um but but it's really important i think as a leader to be able to understand what are my levers from a people perspective yeah um because people deliver in businesses at the end of the day and 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 tech is there from my perspective to enable that it's not the driving force um and so we have to figure out the 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 best processes that actually support the people to work um to whatever objectives yeah um but I, but i would say part of this as well is understanding the maturity state of a given business yeah mm. and and so a lot of businesses as you know i'm sure the audience appreciates are in firefighting mode so it's almost impossible to think strategically if you're in firefighting mode because you're just trying to push put fires out if someone comes along and gives you an idea that could actually innovate like what well, is this helping me pull out a fire i'm not interested yeah and and then you move from firefighting to kind of um what i call keep the lights on operational you haven't even got to a tactical state yet and you're not even near a strategic state so so part of this as well from a consulting point of view is helping um particularly a c suite or the t- the, the the key leaders of a business to understand what stage you're in and 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 this is all about growth yeah um i often say to people that there's there's a, there's a a great film that that i always recommend people watch and allied to this chap who's from my perspective is the kind of father of change john cotter who's written lots about how, you know how people change how organizations change um there's a film called 12 angry men and it's um with henry fonda and it's a black and white film from the 50s and this film is about it's set in a in a um in a jury room yeah and the film that what happens is the jurors are all convinced this person who's on trial is guilty bar one and the film is about how this person convinces everyone else that that he's actually not guilty and how they go through each person finding how people relate how can i use this person to convince that person the process of change yeah to getting to a goal and to me that's the art of leadership you know is managing change yourself but then being able to be an expert at how to manage your organization through change but you need to know the framework and you need to be honest where you're actually at um mm. and and so i think that, you know this is what excites me about the human cloud is that you can you can leverage people very quickly who are experts in your industry or your area if you know it's a look and that, that's the challenge so i mean i've actually set up a, a, another business called fluidtalent.com which is specifically about this helping businesses to leverage the human cloud and and also you can build your own platform through it so um because i see this as a great opportunity you know um to help businesses accelerate because as you say the pace of change is so fast and it's it's impossible for one person to keep up with with the pace of change so you it, for me it's just inevitable you must draw on the cloud yeah yeah it must draw on the cloud you must draw on on the on the talent that's out there but you must also be able to to manage and guide the right, the right talent so it's not only the selection but it's also the the guiding of it and I, when we when we spoke before the the podcast you you mentioned something which which was very interesting was to try and find the balance between full time mhm and and fractional or interim or part time or whatever the, the the term is and i think there's so many different terms out there but essentially it's a fractional role mm-hmm. um it's it's at what stage of the business and you're absolutely right what stage of the business are you in 
mm. or that project or division is in, or you know, you could be launching a new product within a stable existing business. I mean, that might be understaffed. And how do you get that fulfilled? Yeah. I mean, M and A is a is a way is one sort of sub project, if you like, that mm -hmm. happens within the, the lights keeping the lights on environment. But I think what 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 you what made what was very interesting was that that you still have to maintain the balance between mm -hmm. the core and what you bring on as a fractional. So so give me give me your your view on what does that actually mean? Okay. So again again part of this depends on the, the not just the maturity of the business but the size of the business. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. If and 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 by the way um, we we can we can um, talk offline, but but I have also published a very short article on seven takeaways that I've got from talking to founders over the past few years, and um, and one of the issues I find is um, from from an investment perspective, especially in a scale up business, um, it's important that you have people on board in the current framework. It's important to have people on board permanently. Mm -hmm. And often there's a sweetener of equity, yeah, to, to make sure that you've got people committed, and especially at a senior level. Um, and then if the business, you know, which which is a small percentage, but they are successful, particularly in the tech space, they IPO. And of course, everyone wants to be involved in that game, whether you're an investor or someone who's potentially employed. So that that setup means that you need to search very carefully for the right people to bring on board permanently. Okay. And that's even at a, at, a, at, a, at a top level. And then as people build out their team, so that's the traditional model. Mm. However, the way where it falls down is, is it's not fast enough. You can't find these people fast enough. So, so that's where it's important to have uh, an, an, an option where I, I pull on the human cloud through various talent platforms or you can build your own. Um, and, and then it's saying, okay, so what are my outcomes? Where do I need to be? How do I leverage the people that are in the house? And how do I leverage, how do I outsource either a traditional outsourcer or I, I'm, I'm pulling from a, a particular talent cloud, yeah? Um, and it's understanding the right mix to deliver on your outcomes, yeah? Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. There's there's a, um, uh, a tech software that I'm partnered with through Fluid Talent that you can build your own freelance marketplace within a day if you've got the right information, yeah? And... So um, he basically, there's a, there's a big enterprise that now wants to build two of them, okay, for some end clients, particularly software engineers and another, another, another private talent pool on, on, um, on AWS um, specialists. But they said to him, we have no idea how to market this. So we see there's a market for this, but we just have no idea how to market this. And he said, well, look, we could go to a consultancy to ask, but they don't really exist. I mean, who's focusing on this? And of course he said, well, what do you know? By the way, you know, I can put you in touch with Richard from Fluid Talent. We specialize in this. So for me, that's just an example of an established organization that's serving a lot of big customers that see um, the need for these pools of talent. But actually they don't know how to leverage that and even market it, you know? Um, because of course, with with all of this, it's all about the buyer. And if you are not able to, to from a marketing perspective, even if you aren't able to demonstrate why you need this, even if people know they need it, and and be able to fit it into their business model, um, no one's going to buy it. Yeah. So so now we have what we have at our advantage is the proliferation of these. Of these platforms and, and and on a smaller scale you've got um not small in business but small in terms of things being delivered you've got fiverr and upwork are the biggest examples yeah so if you want someone to go and do your do digital marketing and run a campaign you can find someone to do that can you find a team to do that not yet yeah i do know of other 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 companies that you where you can effectively hire in and they call it elastic talent um distributed.com great business um, and you can hire in uh, whole teams that can come in and help you develop whatever it is you, you, you want to develop. They've, and they've got curated freelancers from all over the world. And they are focused about giving those freelancers the best possible work. But it's highly specialized, and they're not cutting corners. 
that's really high quality. They've had a lot of investment. Um, BT Digital is another that's partners, partnered with them. So I'm, I see this um, happening more and more and more. Yeah? And so there's a need for, um, for people to be able to help particularly leaders understand that this is available. Yeah? Um, I, people I in the traditional might... HR space aren't necessarily even aware of that. Yeah, if I could, if I could just add add a bit to that, um, and that is, this there was a, there's a traditional model, right? So, so you're running a business, and you say, um, oh, you know what? We actually have a position that we want to create to do a particular thing, or yeah. we need some additional resource. Let's go out there and see what we can find. Okay, so that's for me. That's the wrong way around. You should be. Having and I love this word pool, this talent mm -hmm. pool, because I think that's exactly what this is. You should be marketing your business, your you know your vision and your whatever, and you should be building a pool of talent yeah. that you can draw into at the time when you need it, in yeah. way in advance of you actually needing it. Yes. But who who actually thinks about that? So so I think I think you mentioned earlier in the discussion is. You know, you're in this, um, what is this fire mode or what is it? Uh, firefighting, you know, yeah. fighting and, you know, firefighting mode where where you're still just trying to beat the fires up. But you're mm. not thinking about hiring new people. It's just like, geez, there's mm. so many balls up in the air. But in fact, that's the right time to do it is because is mm. to start. And if you've got the capacity, of course, and the, and the mental capacity that is. But it's to go and build a talent pool long before you need it, yeah. being able to articulate what the vision and the direction of the strategy and the strategy of the business really is in terms of where you're going. Because, and I think this is something that you mentioned, and I thought, Richard, you are so right, is the talent pool out there have their own value propositions. They mm -hmm. are actually marketing themselves on an individual level mm -hmm. or at a group level as having a particular value proposition in other words they have a skill set or an ability or a or something that they can bring to your business and mm -hmm. that they've decided to narrow their market their niche their target for that particular role so now if if you're going out and you're looking for talent you're actually going and looking for another service provider in actual fact not mm -hmm. another person to come and work for you yeah and it's not like they're sitting there waiting for you to make the call or send the email yeah. or like, would you like to join the company? They out there selling their services to other companies already. Yes. They are fractional already. They are, have, they have identified their own. Uh, and I'm not saying all of them, but mm. they've identified where they are good, where the, what they enjoy, what yeah. they don't want to do. Cause they, you know, I, for the, the talent that I've, that I've taken and, uh, you know, over the last few years and, especially now is, is you have this conversation with a person and they actually a lot clearer about what they can and can't do and what, and will and will not do. And, and in mm -hmm. terms of their purpose and, and what they want to fulfill in their own lives, it's yeah. like, wait a minute, who's actually having the interview, mm -hmm. you know, is it the employer or is it the, 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 the person that's, that's fractional. And I think mm -hmm. all of a sudden that dynamic has changed. And I think, I don't know what your comments around that is, but I think the advanced creation of of a talent pool yes. makes a lot more sense from a business point of view now than ever before. Yes. So, um, so I'm sure. Yeah. So you'll be aware, and, and and your audience of of a a more traditional part of a business in finance or, or expertise, FP&A, yeah, financial planning and analysis. And when that's done, done well, it's fantastic. And you've got some really good forecasts. You're, you, you're constantly analyzing it, et cetera. So I say, well, you need talent planning and analysis. You've got to figure out how, how, what does your partner need to look like? You need and look down the road. Now, so there are some companies that I, that I know of, I've, I've worked with. There's a particular tool called OrgView. It's really good. Um, and you, you are looking at that. You're saying, here's my organization now. Let's say I want to, I want to expand to um, the US as one of my markets and, uh, and maybe Canada. Let's just give an example. And so what does that mean for my organization? I know what it means financially, 
but what does that mean for the kind of people that I need to have and where am I going to get them from? Yeah. And so it, from a financial perspective, you can build different models and you can start to see if I do this and that, okay, here's going to be the outcome. This is what's going to happen to my PL, my EBITDA, whatever. But from a people perspective, it isn't always so um, uh, um, specific. And so there are tools out there where you can do this. You can say, I can, you can basically build parallel organizations before you embark on it and see what the impact is, not just financially, but how is that really going to help me into the market? How is it really going to help me deliver that strategy? You know? So, so that's what I think is key from, from a, from a talent perspective. And we can do this. It's absolutely possible, which is back to my original point of being able to look at a business at multiple levels. Yeah. And in different dimensions and then saying, okay, now we've, we've looked at that. We've modeled it, not just from a financial perspective, and we can see that this is the, the likely the best choice that we, we have to make. It's never 100%. And then at the same time, having a structure in place where you can tweak it because we have to be able to tweak and move. Yeah? It's never going to be the same in three years and 10 years. Um, but at least you can set a direction. And, mm. and so, so I think for me, that's, that's really important. And, and, um, and from my perspective, a, a massive piece of value that anyone in where you call it HR talent, whatever the word you want to use, or a chief people officer, etc., can provide that value, you know, to the C-suites. And and um, because what I guess what you want to be not I guess you want to be clear as a, as a, especially as a, as a leader of a business, and is that I picked that strategy, I picked that goal, and I feel very confident that I'm going to have the right people at the right time, you know. And that's where I say you've got to then have that mix that says, okay, I, think I need to have this much of a these people core in terms of staying with me for the three-year journey. And along the way, I'm going to bring in experts in these areas, these areas, these areas. And here's where, how, where I'm planning to get them from, if, if they exist. And if they don't, but I know they need them, I'm going to create my own pool a year ahead of time where people can put their availability like, and I'm incentivizing them to work with me, you know? And like you say, they're very clear. People in the fractional space know what they know what they're good at, know what their rates are, know when they're available. They're kind of running their own business, or they've come together as a group. Um, and you know, and from a consulting perspective, I, I've also seen this challenge challenge the traditional consultancies mm. because how do they operate? How do well, how do they make money? Yeah, they make money on margin selling permanent people out. Yeah, that's how they make money. So, so, so of course, when you see more consultancies come out of the woodwork over time, why, why is that? It's because there are permanent consultants working in businesses and they realize that margin and they say, hang on a minute, why don't we do our, we can do this and we can, we can actually specialize and they start, they, they then proliferate that model. Um, and so, so, and then even, even, um, even consultancies have to build contingency pools now because, you know, there'll be areas, for example, in ESG and green energy, et cetera, there's not, there's going to be, there's not going to be enough supply. So you're going to have to attract these people, you know, and, and, and make sure that you can provide them the work, et cetera. Um, so, and like, so that dynamic, as you say, changes, it depends on the industry. Cause of course there isn't always as much demand in some areas. Um, mm. But, but that's, so, for me, it's just it's a really fascinating time to be alive in a play in a time where it's the, the the fundamentals of business are still important and they're absolutely valid, but we also have to understand that that there are also changes in models, in and and because of the technology we have, we can see how we can pull these worlds together, mm. um, and and see the end to end piece as one and and. Uh, um, that's what it for me is just fascinating and, and, uh, we're completely able to do that now. Yeah. And I've got to say, I mean, I, I've been in and out of businesses, uh, consulting in that, um, probably almost 30 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's consulting on the tech side of things as a fractional CMO. I've, I've done a whole lot of, uh, projects with different types, types of companies and, and, 
it's been so often that you go into an organization and someone has been recruited. Um, they've joined the company. They've been given a, you know, the traditional job description. Mm -hmm. But when you, by the time you arrive and you engage then with the client and you say, okay, tell me who's your people and, and sort of where's, where's the structure? Tell me why this person is doing that. What are they reporting to and so on and so forth. And you start, you start unpacking that a bit. And then you realize that, the original job description that they mm -hmm. were hired on and the purpose they were hired for is no longer near what they're doing right now. So they were mm -hmm. hired as the bookkeeper, but now they're sitting in the warehouse doing, you know, something else, or mm -hmm. they were hired as the sales guy, but now they're doing, um, I don't know, customer fulfillment, you know, on the back end and they're helping mm -hmm. out with tech support. And it's like, uh, has anybody sort of kept track of that? Is it, you know, that, so that's been sort of the, what I've realized a, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. The more senior, obviously, the less that sort of happens. But, uh, but again, it does happen. Mm. Where now, these days, it, it's almost as if management and, and people that are developing strategy and these models and that have to be so much, much better. Um, more visionary, if you like, and more strategic in the way that they structure what talent they need for when, mm. for what deliverable. And I think when you and I spoke leading into this into this podcast, we spoke about outcomes, mm -hmm. sort of trying to work out what the outcomes are that I'm trying to achieve, yeah, and not just to fill the seat of yes. of the space that needs to be occupied to fulfill a particular task. Yes. And it's it's that it's that fight between I need someone there to do that, but have I really thought through the outcome I want I want achieved individually and also you know as a group you know for a particular department? Give me give me your sort of expanded thoughts on that. Yeah, so I completely agree. And and when you when you really focus on those outcomes, and and by the way, it's 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 also important to note that. Um, Strategy is a word that's bandied about all over the place. Half of the time, lots of strategy is not strategic at all. It's it's uh, it's just a tactical plan, and um, and and also transformation is another word that's doesn't necessarily absolutely transform the business because you come back in three four years and it's the same business. Um, so that's just tweaking the business. Now, when it comes to outcomes, um, I look at it. Um, uh, in, in a slightly different way. I say, look, here's your outcomes that you want to get to, whatever those are. Um, and, and as you say, they need to be thought through. And so assuming that's done, um, there's a certain amount of money that you've got, yeah? A pot of money to be able to do what, what it is you, you want it to do. So then the question becomes, okay, so now this pot is consumed by a certain amount, as in the people we've currently got. And then, okay, we've got a bit extra. And for me, that's the wrong way of going about it. It's saying, no, those are the outcomes. Here's the pot we have. What kind of, what, what's the processes and what is the skills that we specifically need to get there? Mm -hmm. And then you're saying, okay, do we have that? If we've got that, great. Okay, that takes a bit of the pot away, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you, you're faced with the fact of potentially fundamentally changing your organization because of those outcomes you're trying to get to and mm -hmm. then you start to be more agile about saying okay this is the real skill set we need we're really going to get that done okay so so is it we're going to have some people permanent is it we're going to pull on some traditional outsourcing or develop our own pool from you know more in a human cloud sense um so it becomes um number one at the beginning you're planning it to be more agile and number two you're you're, you're starting to use this pot more dynamically yeah and um, and I would say the, the, the other thing is, of course, when, when a business is aiming to get to a strategic goal, along the way, you want to see growth. Yeah? So then the pot is never fixed. Um, and, and, um, and of course, the, the part of the challenge is, if you're just trying to do it for one function, um, if you're, let's say, doing it in the finance function, but HR might not be on board or IT might not be, and you've got, you've got people in different places. Yeah. So, so um, for me, th there's a piece of work that has to align those parts of the business or, or, you, you know, you've got uh, marketing and sales 
who are you know clear about their go-to-market etc and they want to get on with things but actually um and they're going to sell a product but then when the customer comes to using the product there's no there's there's no real follow-up the customer journey isn't really mapped out um and it sounds great but actually now when you engage with this product or this this service um six months down the road you see that uh it sounded great but you know it's failing is that the problem of the salespeople? Normally not. It's 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 what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. So so that's what I mean. It's it's, it's worth the time to think about this and reflect on what this means end to end because it really pays off. And you know when when you're in firefighting mode or just operational mode, I understand. I've been there. It's really hard to say I don't have the time for that. I don't have the time to you know sit and but it's worth it because you see the fruits of that not immediately but you see it three years down the road six years down the road etc and people in the business will be clear about why they're doing things and 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 the meaning behind their roles you know however they're defined so um so for me this is part of what, what i call being a business architect yeah we've got technical architect architects but but this is this is what true business architecture is about is really understanding the blueprint and we all live in houses of some description and houses need tweaking changing and but if you're going to build a house and or rebuild a house it's painful you know it's it's and, you, and but you have to be just acknowledge the fact that no, this is might be a hard road for some time being clear with the organization particularly in an m a situation when when you've got you know three businesses trying to merge and and a big investment house you know trying to push on on the pace um and and so that for me is you know as, as a leader it's imperative to be able to manage your own the change yourself first so that you that you can lead from the front uh, understanding all these things we're talking about yeah i love that i think i think you, you hit the nail on the head i i, I want to i want to sort of just throw a, a slightly different sort of question at you and um and that's Traditionally, I mean, if you again going back and say, okay, where where are we now compared to where we were not so long ago, and mm -hmm. and 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 how things have accelerated and and changed? We mm -hmm. the the traditional approach is you go through HR, you do your application, etc. You know, you got mm -hmm. recruited either through a recruitment office or there was an advert that was placed, and you've submitted, mm -hmm. um, you know, your resume or, or your CV. If I if I look at um, at the thing called training and upskilling and mm -hmm. and sort of now the question comes is is the budget and the and this is based on your experience now you know do you do you say do I apply more money to training my existing people mm -hmm. and I think the the uh, the yin and yang almost if you like or the opposite is going to be do i just hire in the, in a fractional bit of talent for mm -hmm. that portion of work is mm -hmm. it where and i think that's a strategic question is is do i do i take maybe it's tactical i, I don't know but mm -hmm. do i take my current core workforce and and rather skill them up in terms of their ability to be more clear about what the outcome is we're trying mm -hmm. to achieve and be able to brief and onboard fractional talent better. Maybe mm -hmm. that should be on someone's CV or resume. Mm -hmm. When when you are when you're employing them full time, you mm -hmm. do you have the ability to articulate and clearly explain and onboard new talent or or part-time or fractional talent? That's mm -hmm. that's for that that could be a training requirement that's not i don't know if it's massively available at this stage but it could very well be a very good thing to get involved in and on mm -hmm. the flip side is is it really worth training somebody a full-time employee because they may or may not leave the mm -hmm. organization because they might find a better opportunity elsewhere now you've invested in an individual where mm -hmm. you could maybe just have gone into your talent pool mm -hmm. drawn in a bit of additional talent got the the particular KPI performed, or the 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 job, or the outcome, or whatever it is, mm. uh, or just use that person from time to time as and when you need it, and that's where the fractional comes in. 
Yeah. Because they understand your organization, but you only use them when you need them. So I just want to get your view on 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 the on training versus bringing in ex external talent. Yeah, love that. So uh, I think part of this goes back to the point about strategy or direction or what you're actually trying to achieve. Yeah. So. Um, and, it, and it's the stage of the business as well um, in terms of how much you can invest in, in helping your existing staff to grow. And because it goes back to saying we need these outcomes and this is the kind of skill set that we need to get there. So, so if we're looking at two parallel worlds here that are merging, the one world is saying I've got these people who are on the books already, effectively paid for, and I need to upskill them because I need this delivered or that delivered. Yeah. And I, and I take the, the uh, and I understand there's a time lag, okay? But also, of course, people, people benefit from, from being upskilled and they grow and there's, there's potential for their careers, yeah? And, 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 um, and there's a whole proposition around that that the company needs to make so that people are staying and they feel like, look, I'm, I'm really growing here and, of course, I'm going to commit to this. And then you've got the other side, which says, I can see that I'm not quite going to get you know, on my upskill trajectory across the population of the people I employ, we're actually not going to get there because we don't have the skills in place. And that's where you've got to say, no, we, we have to, within the process of growing our business, have fractional talent, yeah, that is delivered on, delivering on those outcomes. And the other thing I would say is um, what I've often seen as a consultant going into organizations is sometimes people feel threatened they go, oh, this person's a consultant, they're on some day rate, et cetera. People, and, and if someone isn't in that world, they don't appreciate that you're still building your own business, as a, especially as a consultant, if you're in a smaller business. Um, it's not like everyone's being, you know, sitting on yachts, but that can be the impression. So, so I think part of the challenge is also to educate current staff that are going to stay with the organization. Look, we're bringing people in because we've got a specific outcome. Some of those people may actually stay to come in as fractional talent. But I would say for me, what I've seen, where I've seen consulting work best is, is part of the role of that, those people, the teams or the fractional talent you bring in, if it's an individual or teams, is to actually hand over, do a really great handover process to people internally. For me personally, when I'm consulting in a place, I, I, I will never leave somewhere if I feel like I've, I haven't done a good handover and I haven't upskilled people in the organization, that's part of the re, my own remit. Yeah. And so I'm delivering on things, but I think for me, that's, that's part of the challenge is saying you're coming in to do this and this, but I know, for example, I, I might have some less experienced people who I know are on this upskill trajectory. I'm going to partner them with this fractional talent that comes in over time. Because guess what? They're gonna they're gonna learn tremendously from those people because they've been around different organizations and they can bring new perspectives. And so I see this all the time, you know. Um, and and for me as a consultant, it's 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 really meaningful when I take when I take even the organization I'm working with now, built a, an on-demand platform for in a recruitment space. Um, I, I I seek out the people who want to grow and say, let me, you know, let's get some time. How can I help you? You know, how, how can I use my experience to? And so on the flip side, I think it's if you're going to go along this this model, which I think is important to, to be agile, it's being really clear up front. Whoever comes into your organization, we have a learning culture and we expect that we share our knowledge. Um, and and of course, you compensate people for that. You know, it's it's people spend years building a network, building knowledge. Um, and if you want the best people in your organization, then you've got to pay what is, what is the market rate, you know? Um, so, so I think that's how I'd answer that is, is um, this doesn't in any way um, change that you've got to upskill your people, um, but it's how you do that, yeah? And there's also some really cool um, companies I know in the learning space that are doing amazing things uh, in, in terms of um, using AI, et cetera, to, to help people to grow and, and very personalized training. Um, but yeah, that's a whole 
a whole other topic. Um, it is it is a whole other topic, but I but you answered it very well, and and I, and I appreciate the I mean the thought that you've been putting into it. So if I so 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 when I look at when I look at that um, that that space in terms of the transfer of skills, mm. I think bringing in someone for, from a fractional point of view is massively important for. Improving your 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 permanent staff skills, but also bringing in tools, bringing in methodologies, bringing in uh, practices and procedures that work elsewhere. Yeah. And again, it's that it's uh, it comes again in, in cross pollination, and it's you know I, I think in the old if I go, I mean you studied history, the tribes, you know the tribes mm -hmm. used to as soon as the blood started going, you know the, there was a bit too much uh, incest, if you like. They went out to other tribes to get to get mm. new blood into the you know th that was a that was a thing and it's mm. almost like the same thing happens to to, to companies when you just have a, you know the same you're rotating the same staff you don't necessarily have the same cross pollination you don't have the transfer of skills you don't have external people asking different questions yeah and and asking questions that that you assume you know the answer and you you assume that the person that you're working with has the same answer as you. Mm. I mean, I, I've had it, and you must have seen it in, in consulting arrangements. I, you, your, you know, your initial uh, intervention is get everyone around the table. Okay, tell me what you know. What do you guys, you know, where are you? Tell me, you know, answer these questions, and then then they start disagreeing with each other. Mm. And and I mean, I've had it once where I've had the uh, the directors almost grab each other over the across the table because. Mm. They thought the other one was doing this, and, and they actually never really sat down, yeah, and really thrashed it out. What is what are the real questions? So, you know, this catalyst. I think you mentioned that the catalyst for change, and mm. and so on. I think people people are, are massively important with within organisations, but also bringing in that um, transfer of skills, but not just that, but transfer of process and yeah. transfer of external ideas, but. Also, the ability to question the status quo, yeah. and I think the biggest danger of most organisations is is being stuck to the status quo. I mean, that for me is is probably one of the Achilles' heels of most organisations, and that's yeah. why it's good to bring in some additional outside uh, talent and ideas. Yeah, I mean, on on that point, I, I, one thing I've I've um I've learned that's that's really key. I've learned it from mentors of mine, from books, from from personal experience um is having a, a clear agreement from the leaders of the organization on the way forward and then always bringing people back to that so for example there's a, there's a firm i'm work, doing some side work with at the moment and um and they have a particular proposition in one area of their business but in the other it was you know we help all businesses and then i said well then you have really nothing to sell because because people don't know what you're about. You need to be very specific, you know, in terms of your market proposition. And so we worked a bit on that. And then about six months down the road, we got to a point and it was like, well, I'm not sure, is this really our business, you know? And I, then I've turned around and said, look, you told me six months ago, you don't want to continue the way you are. You told me that if you carry on the way you are, you're not gonna have a business to sell in 10 years time. Do you remember you told me that? So I'm telling you, if you want to change, we have to go down this road. You can keep doing what you want to do. And that's your choice if you want to do that. But remember what you told me. You told me you want to change. So let's get, you know, let's get to it. So, so I think for me, this is where as human beings, we fear change and it's hard, especially if you've been going on the same track for a long time. And, and it happens in a personal situation and it happens commercially. So... Um, the so other dynamic, Richard, I want to interrupt you quickly because we're running, we're going to run short of time. And I just want to make sure I get this last question in. Mm. Do you do you feel, you know, as a consultant and and you know, doing fractional work and doing work with multiple entities mm -hmm. that that because they've brought you in, it's almost like there's a new set of uh, a new thinking of accountability. Now mm -hmm. I, I hear what you're saying about the the, the person um you know, said they wanted to change, and six months later, they're sort of questioning that they're obviously in overwhelm or they're in doubt mm -hmm. and, and so on. But 
there is a sense of accountability in a way, because if you're bringing in people from the outside, especially an expert, mm. don't you think that there, there's a bit of an accountability dynamic that gets added to the mix over and above that just bringing in additional talent? Because now you obviously, you're bringing in people. Now they're asking questions. Now you're starting to have to be accountable to the, the decisions that you've made sure. <laughs> as, the, as the founder or owner or, or, or st strategic direction. Tell me a bit about that. And then, then as you finish up, I want you to share, because uh, we're coming close to the hour, mm -hmm. a bit about you and the company and, and what your offer is and mm -hmm. sort of how people can get hold of you. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, I mean, on the, on the accountability question, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I want people to own their businesses, you know, I'm in, in, in that sense, I'm not the only, I'm not the owner of the business or the founder, etc. So my job is to make sure they succeed. That's why I'm there. Yeah. And in the particular area, area of expertise that they've got me in for. And so, um, so in that dynamic, um, I'm my my main goal is to empower people, yeah, to take that accountability and move forward with that change. And so, so I think for me, I'm really clear when I need to push back, yeah, and when I need to accept things that says, okay, no, actually this is on me, and you know I've said I'll do X, Y, Z, and if you're not happy with that, that's fine. Let's work through that, etc. And we tweak the deliverable, or I have to, if I for some reason it hasn't met a deadline, whatever it is. That's on me, and that's where I'm accountable for whatever I've said I'll do in 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 the in that particular business. But um, but I, you know, unless I'm a co-owner of the business, that's not my role. And so, um, and as you as you pointed out, sometimes that can get thrown on you. It's like, well, you know, why are we not further along? Why are we not there? Well, you know, I'm I, we we I've told you what we need to do, and these are the steps, etc. And but um, at the end of the day, you're accountable for the business. And so I think for me, what's important is developing that, that dynamic relationship um, mm. such that you keep, you, you just have to be really clear on your own role. Otherwise, it becomes murky and, and there's lots of emotions. And, and, uh, but if you're actually really clear on the deliverables mm. and the outcomes, I've seen this with massive teams, with small teams, with, is if everyone is clear, on what they're trying to do and you've got it down on a plan and um and you know how you're going to get there and who's going to do that it it actually takes away a lot of the emotion of change because you're always focused on these specific goals yeah and that's fine if we need to adjust and change them but um but it kind of clears the air you know um yeah, hopefully that answers yeah. No, it really does, and it's it's well answered. So, tell me a little bit about your the audience, about your company, what you do, or who you are, and, and how they can get hold of you if they want to work with you. Yeah. So, so I mean, I do a number of different things, but but uh, in this specific space, my 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 uh, the company I'm with is called FluidTalent.com. So this is something I set up with with a, a founder of another um, tech firm, and it's the consulting arm of that. Yeah. So. So Fluid Talent, it's it's a speciality talent consulting business and technology company. So what we do is we support businesses with open talent innovation. Yeah. So it enables you um, from a tech perspective, we can build a freelance marketplace for you in a day, very fast. Um, in whatever. So if you want, if you say to me, um, I want to build a freelance marketplace specifically for um, SAP for HANA Cloud specialists with 10 years experience, you've worked in big enterprises of this day, this, this size, I can build that for you within a day. Yeah. And, and, uh, we can tweak it, et cetera. And then at the same time, from a consulting perspective, I can then talk to you about how to market that and how to integrate that into your current processes. Um, or from a strategic perspective, okay, how do I incorporate this into my business model going forward? Yeah. So that's, and, and it's not necessarily just about, um, the the human cloud or the freelance human cloud. It's also about the mix of permanent, of of freelancers, of outsourcers, and how do I leverage all of that to best fit my my, my business outcomes? Um, and then and then there's a separate business I have called Centric Global, which is more about um, strategy and growth. 
and saying, look, okay, you're in this place now and you want to get there. Um, let me help you together with my network um, to get to your growth goals. And the last few years has mainly been with scale-up businesses. So I sit with founders and I say, well, you know, oftentimes um, uh, founders, particularly in the tech space, love their product. And they're just, you know, they can talk about their product all day, but aren't necessarily focused on building a business. Yeah. And so I've done a lot of work in that in that particular environment saying, okay, so what do you want to do with this business in three years' time? Do you want to exit? Do you want to be bought out? Do you want to merge? You know, what are your what what's your what's your um um funding life cycle? Have you yeah. thought about that? Um, oh, we've got we have this amazing product and everyone's gonna love it, and you know, well. Yes, but how are you running it as a business? Yeah, and and so it's one of the, you know, I've got seven key takeaways from founders and uh, I've I've uh, spoken to the last few years, mm-hmm. um, and and one of those is that is don't just focus on your product because your product is not your business. The product is part of your business. Yeah, there's all the other dimensions as you can appreciate. So. Um, um, um. But yeah, no, I mean, Dudley, thank you for, for uh, the time to talk now. It's been great. and, uh, and uh, you, you really added a lot of value. And I, and I think for from a, from a podcast point of view, I think this is a really a great um, – it's something completely different. It's something that I don't normally deal with within the space. But mm. I think it's something that is becoming more and more and more important for people to start really thinking that through everyone's all about if from a marketing point of view i need more leads i need more customers i need more mm. of this and all that and and then they're wondering why they're just not they they, they they're just running that treadmill you know they're mm. running into burnout and they're running into all kinds of things but it just doesn't seem to be sort of coming together and then, then there's lots of excuses and reasons why things are not working mm. but but this is has become probably one of the most prominent parts of of growing and scaling a mm. business mm. and even when it comes to exit if mm. you've got access to the right talent pool because isn't that what buyers are buying at Absolutely. the end of the day yeah you know not just your product or your service or, or all that but it's your ability to 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 deliver on that that promise i i, I come to peter drucker he says you know the purpose of any business is the acquisition of customers and the fulfillment of their needs mm-hmm that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're really building a, a, a framework to be able to do that for a product or service that is going to market. That could be for you individually, or it could be for yeah. an organization, or it could even be for the fractional people that, that, that you bring into the business. As, yeah. as well. yeah. And it applies to everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's, I would say that um, I, you know, I'm very well networked in this space and, and also know of organizations that are, that are partnered with that, that talk about what we call network optimization, yeah, which is built on about 20 years of research and and um, with some prominent universities, and and that is at an enterprise scale, helping leaders and enterprises be able to understand network optimization and the talent piece is a part of that, a massive part of that, um, because what's interesting is, so so from an IT perspective, we used to have on premise. Yeah, you'd have on-premise servers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then things went on the cloud. Okay. In the talent space, it was all about on-premise and someone's living in my particular geography, et cetera. And now talent's moving to the cloud. And <laughs> and what's interesting, there's a piece of research that actually the 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 rate of growth and how it's moving is very similar to what happened in the in the kind of hardware to cloud space um so yeah it's it's an absolutely fascinating area but i think i guess what i'd like to int- to put to the audience is this is available now you know businesses can leverage this now you don't have to wait 10 years for this the, this will ha- it can actually help your business really accelerate um mm. and that's what i'm passionate about is look w- we all want to grow that's why we're in business yeah um and it's it's understanding the best value you can add to your business by leveraging, in this case, the human cloud. Love it, Richard. I definitely would like you on, on another episode, and we're going to talk a lot sure. more. Um, and we'll probably have another conversation, a few conversations in between as well. But uh, please come back. I just want to say goodbye to the audience. Just uh, stay on the line, and I'll, I'll be back in a, in, in a moment.
Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for joining us today for another episode of uh, 100 Days and Beyond. The podcast focused on mergers, acquisitions, uh, and sort of post-merger integration or post-acquisition integration. However, I broke that focus today, and I've moved into what I think is a massive area that is critical to successful M&A, to successful post-merger integration work, but, but more so success to business and to, to, to people out there in this very, uh, I would say, very challenging environment where we've gone through mass change. We've got people now wanting to work for purpose. They don't want to work for, for a salary in, at the end of the month. That is part of it. But a lot of people these days are saying, I want more meaning in life. I want more balance. I want to be able to spend more time with my family with, and so on. And if you come across to, to, to this space, and, and I love that last analogy of, of the movement from on-premise software, sorry, uh, IT infrastructure and so on, and software going into a cloud space where people we you know I, I, if i speak to some of the older older generation sort of business owners and so on they they're like i want to see my people you know in the old days it was i wanted to touch my server and needed to be in my office you know my com my computer that i'm working i want to be able to touch the box uh, and it's almost like you know i want to have visibility of my people in in the office now um people are everywhere and then we were forced into that to to a great extent but thank you very much uh, Richard, that was absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. And I really hope you can join us on another episode. Thank you to everyone joining us today on, on 100 Days and Beyond the podcast. Uh, if you'd like to um, be featured on the podcast, you're welcome to, uh, to, to let me know. And if you'd like to hear more about uh, the different episodes that we've published, you uh, please go on to our YouTube channel or any one of the other channels uh, and make sure that you like and subscribe. Uh, thank you very much. Have a super week and we'll speak to you again. Hi everybody, this is Dudley again. And if you need help with a future or existing post-merger integration, I want to invite you to arrange a free, no obligation meeting with us. During the meeting, we'll find out exactly what you need, what your challenges are, and we'll explain how our unique PMI slipstream method can help you. Simply call us or visit mergerintegration.co.uk that's mergerintegration.co.uk or come to our website, skillfulpursuit.com.